0: This episode of the Alpha Cast is brought to you by InkFidel. It's not just another military t-shirt company. Each design is an inside joke with a backstory that only true veterans understand. On top of being extremely comfortable, every shirt is manufactured right here in the USA. Check out the entire line on InkFidel.com and use promo code ALPHA10 for a special 10% discount. That's I-N-K-F-I-D-E-L.com promo code ALPHA10. You're now listening to the only podcast for the alpha veteran and all of us. In this episode, we're joined by former Marine Brian Carpenter to discuss his book, The Never-Ending Battle After Iraq. This is The Alpha Cast. It's right. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining the AlphaCast. This is Jeff speaking. And this is Randy. And uh, today we've got an awesome guest with us. His name is uh, Brian Carpenter, and he was a Marine who was injured in Iraq in 2006. And uh, he wrote an awesome story about his road to recovery. And then, you know, later we'll share the information on his book. Um, But first, I'd like to introduce um, Brian. Welcome to the show, Brian. Thanks for having me. Oh, we're, we're absolutely thrilled you can join us. You know, I told you a little bit about AlphaCast and what we're all about. And it's about using your kind of inner strength to overcome the obstacles in front of you. And like I told Randy before, I think you encapsulate exactly what that is. And, man, we're just we're so thrilled to have you on.
1: Thank you. Yeah, it's definitely been one one heck of a road for the past 10 years, but finally it's paying off.
0: Well, I'm glad to hear that. Um, what I'd like to do is hear a little bit about your military career, if you could talk on that for a few minutes, and then we'll get on to what you're doing now.
1: Okay. I right, well first started when I was trying to do the split option program in high school to be with my brother that was in the army. And then I got my mom, wouldn't sign the papers, so I had to wait till graduation. Well, as a kid, I developed a thing called gut- gutted psoriasis. And when I went into ch- I swear in for the army, they said, You yeah, have this psoriasis problem. I was in the middle of a breakout, so I got disqualified. So I went to the Marines. I'm like, Oh, well, Marines. In the time of war, if anybody's dumb enough to want to join the Marines in the time of war, they'll, they'll take me. So I went to the Marines, and I didn't understand back then that the military is military. Everything was going to be the same. So I went to the Marines. It was like they denied me. So I went to, back to the Army for the National Guard. They denied me. Went back to the Reserves for the Marines. They denied me. So finally, I wasn't giving up because the, Marine, the military was my dream to my whole life to do. So I went to the dermatologist to get a waiver letter written to my congressman, and the congressman wrote me a waiver letter into the Marines, and they finally accepted me. Well, that was in December of 2004. I sworn in. I left for boot camp February of 2005, and then came out of boot camp, went to MCT, Marine combat training, and then MOS for my job, for my my military occupational specialty. Came home, sworn in, to my, or I mean checked into my unit, and they said, you're going to Iraq. Oh, awesome. So as soon as I got out of training, I got sent, I got my orders to deploy to Iraq. So I came home, got some stuff together, get everything ready, and then shipped out for four months training before we went to Iraq. Well, in Iraq, we were, I was there for almost three or three months, going on four, and I hit a roadside bomb in June 6, 2006, and was put into a medically induced coma right away because they... Hit a, they cut me for a trachea in the field, and they nicked my carotid artery, which, of course, I started bleeding out real bad. Yeah. And then from the concussion of the blast, knocked me unconscious on top of all the blood loss I had. And then so I was in a coma for two and a half weeks and woke up at 120 pounds. I was 160 pounds in Iraq. And then I woke up at 120 pounds two and a half weeks later. And then with mangled bones, I shattered my back, seven vertebrae shattered my pelvis in five different areas, which caused internal bleeding. So they had to slip me open in the middle of my stomach for internal bleeding. I shattered my right ankle. I have dropped foot on my left foot, meaning I can't lift my left foot at all. Have a bunch of muscle atrophy that cut my xiphoid process out, which is the bottom piece of the sternum because I broke it and had a hernia underneath it. And, yeah, so I was – never supposed to walk again with all them injuries and including a bad traumatic brain injury. And they're like, he's either not going to walk again or the, the, the most I'm going to go is with a walking aid. I'll be on like a platform walker or a forearm crutches for the rest of my life, half and half wheelchair. And then six months later, I got sick of it. I, I dropped my crutches. It's like, I'm going to do this yeah. and start walking, walk in and finally got to the gym 2008 after i got retired from the marines i was a med hole for two years and then got kind of went in a bad direction with alcohol and eating nasty and just not really caring about life because i was now an injured combat vet that had no more dreams or aspirations or anything so then i got in the gym and started working out and then finally got into a mixed martial arts gym in 2009 right after new year's i went and checked it out started and Thought it was the worst, best idea ever, and finally, I was dedicated. I was morning, I was night practices, I was doing it every day, my physical abilities went through the roof, and then I got addicted to my physical therapy. So then I went from mixed martial arts to, I got, so into it, I became a mixed martial arts trainer in submission wrestling and boxing and cardio, endurance training, all that stuff, and then my little brother was in the bodybuilding at the time, so now I was doing morning practices for MMA. My little brother got out of school. I would go do bodybuilding with him. And then I'd turn around and go to my nighttime MMA practices. <clears throat> so at this point, my, phys- my physical abilities were doing awesome. And then I got into bouncing and security at nightclubs. They all actually wanted me to start bouncing. And I got addicted to that because my social life started getting up there. My respect levels up there from everybody. So I was kind of getting addicted to bouncing. And... Just making a million friends everywhere, and then finally, and then I started personal training, and then 2012, the Indians called the Wounded Warrior Project regiment, the ones that it's a military branch, and that that's the ones that check up on me all the time, and they said they wanted inspiration to society. So of course, the VA and Wounded Warrior Project said Brian Carpenter, and then they emailed me and told me that. They wanted a little summary of my story, so I told them a little bit of it up till then with the personal training, bouncing, bodybuilding, mixed martial arts. And they're like, yeah, we want you to throw out the pitch for us. So in 2012, I threw the ceremony opening pitch for the Cleveland Indians, April 5th, 2012, and got to be all over the news, all over these talk shows and all this stuff. So that was kind of fun. And then two years or about a year after that, a a little more than a year after that, I created a new dream of firefighting. So I looked up closest fire, fire Academy and started studying, studying, researching, learning all about fire Academy and firefighting. And finally I went to the fire Academy and did, I graduated the fire Academy. No problem. Cause it was in a, it was a physical way. It was a physical class. So therefore I was constantly moving. I was constantly staying, working out and stuff. So my physical abilities were staying up. I wasn't able to get to the gym, but then Next semester, after the fire academy was over, I started basic EMT and all my college curriculum classes and stuff. And my brain, my TBI, memory loss, PTSD, anger, aggression, and just mentally, just all them problems started kicking in. Because then I had two other classes on top of basic EMT, which was just flooding my brain and every day is like a new day to me learning stuff. <clears throat> so then... I wasn't working out because I, I was taking so many classes with the college, trying to finish out my fire degree and couldn't get to the gym. Then my physical injuries, my, my, my arthritis and my tendons, my ligaments, everything was just tearing me down. Starting to limp real bad. I was starting just to just go downhill. My the, the arthritis was flaring up. I was starting to look into getting back on medication for the arthritis and, Finally, I was like, no one's going to hire me because I'm 100% disabled, and my body's pretty much failing me, so I was like, I just got to drop out. So I dropped out of basic EMT, kept my fire license, but nobody was ever going to hire me, and then finally, I got back into balancing and security and started on the book, not too much later, and it took me a while to get my book going, and once I got the book published, I've dropped everything except working out with my little brother and still in bodybuilding. I work out with him in the mornings and I work on my book at night.
0: Well, that's uh, man, that's a, that's a hell of a story. And I, to, to kind of go back in, and I want to, I want to hit on a few high points. There's a couple of things that you said that really just okay. fascinated me about you. And so the, the very first thing you said was that you couldn't get in the military because you had some type of problem, but it <laughs> seems like just from listening to you, that persistence is just in your nature. Like you couldn't not you know, you'd already decided that's what you were going to do. And then almost doggedly, you went after joining the military. And so uh, I don't know of anybody off the top of my head that wrote their congressman or got in contact with their congressman in order to join the military. That's impressive.
1: Well, yeah, well, I would make fun of it to everybody. I was like, yeah, that was probably the most expensive waiver he's ever written before because he's the one that got me in. And then a year and four months later... I get blown up and now I'm on disability because of it. But yeah, he, he great guy. He, they, they said that it's bull crap. They had the military actually disqualified me for a minor it's a psoriasis. It's a minor case of psoriasis, which isn't plaque psoriasis. It's not on me all the time. Whenever right. I get sick, I'll break out. I'll go tan for a month and it's completely gone. You can't even tell I have it. Well, the recruiter took me at a full breakout and they're like, Hey, what is wrong with this kid? It's like, they were afraid to touch me at first. Because I was so broken out, I'm like, I ain't a walking disease, man. Just calm down and, yeah. Like, yep, they disqualified me, and yeah, my dreams almost shattered right there. And didn't want to work a factory because so I was working a factory after I got disqualified, just to get started with it being out of school and stuff. And worked three months at that factory full time, third shift, seven days a week. And I was like, I got to do it. So I just, I kept, I just kept my, I kept it going. persistency, it's. That's what I'm always – that's what I'm all about now that you say that. I never really looked at it like that. Whenever I want something, I'm going to get it. Yeah. No matter yeah. What I have to go through to do it, I get it.
0: And, and extremely unconventional routes too, you know. And and, <laughs> uh, uh, and there was something else that I thought, and I wanted to jab it in as you were talking about it. You were listing off everything that on you that was broken after the explosion. And I was like, man, it would almost be easier if you just told me the parts that weren't broken well, <laughs> yeah, you have like an earlobe that was pretty much, pretty much intact. Everything else, boobar
1: Yeah, yeah, my teeth. I mean, I got even more injuries. I hit shrapnel and uh, cracked all my teeth. And I, you know, there's a million more things. But that was like the main things that completely disabled me. And I haven't thrown in all small injuries. And I ended up shattering my left ankle because I was being, being an idiot trying to put on a show for people. Well, that's my drop foot. One, I have no support, I cannot use my ankle at all. And I was being an idiot, slipped on ice, and crumpled on my ankle, and I shattered my left ankle in 2014. So yeah, it's like it's like every year I'm I'm hurting something again through all my disabilities. I'm trying to fight against. Yeah, now, sure. I'm a tank. I don't feel pain. I'm too dumb to feel pain. It seems like.
0: <laughs> well, they they have always said if you're going to be dumb, you got to be tough. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Hey. So I I saw the picture. Of your your Humvee, so you were in you were in the, uh, the the passenger seat, right?
1: No, I was driving.
0: Oh, you were in the driver's seat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but man, it, you really got the worst of it. I mean, I saw uh, your other the other guys who were in the truck. Were they okay?
1: I mean, they my my gunnery sergeant. He rebroke his wrist that he broke in training before we were coming out, and then he took a huge chunk of his leg out from shrapnel. It looked like a shark bit his leg off. I mean, I didn't see it because I was in a coma right away, but my, my gunner that was standing up on the gun, he was up on the fifty cal on our vehicle, he just got launched out and broke both of his femur bones and his legs, and then he's the one that told me it looked like a shark took a chunk of my uh, gunny sergeant's leg, and my sergeant, he was our comm guy, he was the guy taking care of the comm gear all the whole time, he was right behind me in the back seat, but his feet were underneath where the bomb hit under my seat, so he lost from knee down and then we all suffer. Well, they all got brain injuries as well from the concussion of the blast. And then I had a severe brain injury because it drug. I don't know exactly why I I was a, the one with the worst brain injury out of all of them because I was in the same vehicle as them. But yeah, they were all put on morphine and a couple of them, they were still awake. I was unconscious. My gunnery sergeant and my gunner, they had to be tackled because they were trying to run around, make sure everything was good. My my gunner was running around with two broken legs, freaking out because we just hit a big bomb and they had to tackle him and all this stuff. And but yeah, they were, they were fine and got to go home shortly after the hospital stay. Well,
0: that's, that's good to hear. Man. <laughs> that's, that's good to hear. It, it's unfortunate, you know, that, that everybody got injured, but it's always good to hear that people come home and uh, especially if, if they, you know, anybody has any kind of recovery, even similar to what you've had and uh I mean, you, I mean, I want to talk about how miraculous it is that someone can make the cardiac artery and you're, I don't know what the timeline is of what, like six minutes or something like that before you completely bleed out.
1: Um, yeah, I think if you in an artery, you only have minutes to live because that is like the main blood flow in your whole body is your arteries. And, of course, your aortic artery, I think it's aortic, that's in your chest. That's your biggest artery. Your carotid artery is a serious one. Arteries in your wrists. But, yeah, yeah they, uh, they, I don't know if it was actual cut. They said they nicked the artery. Thank so, you. therefore, they said I had, like, a pretty good stream shooting out of my neck from the artery being cut. And in my coma, they had to do a six-unit blood transfusion, which I'm not exactly sure how much blood that is. But I guess the units are decent amount of blood that they had to put back in my system. So I lost
0: so much, man. I just listening to your injuries and then, you know, hearing what you're doing now, um, physically you went through the ringer, you know, and they specifically said that you would never walk right again, right. Without, without mm-hmm. some kind of apparatus or some type of walker or cane or something. Yeah. Um, talk about a little bit about that process, how you went from really you stuck in a chair to walking you know i mean what was that physical therapy process like i mean what was your mentality like as you're going through that
1: well with the, the seriousness of my traumatic brain injury i pretty much, I had to go to occupational therapy physical therapy speech therapy i had to learn to live all over again so therefore they said it was pretty much like me growing up as a little kid again into my new lifestyle but i remember when after i started coming with it mentally because my memory was completely wiped out everything was gone. And then once everything started coming back to me, they had to strap me into a forearm walker because I wasn't strong enough to hold myself up I was on a walker, but I had to hold up here. And then all the therapies I had to take, I couldn't understand anything. Speech was making me mad because I couldn't talk right and all that stuff. And then finally, the one day I was, finally started walking strapped into a walker. I was in my room and I was just trying to walk a little bit in my room on my walker. And I finally stopped and looked in the mirror. And then that, that remember that red shirt you've seen yeah. on the cover of my book? Mm-hmm. That is the shirt I had on, learning to walk again. And that's the shirt I had on. when I looked myself in the mirror, said, I, I want to get back to normal. I am going to do what I like to do in life. I like the four-wheeler. I like to camp. I like sports. I mean, I like all to do this physical activity. And I, prom- I looked at myself in the mirror. And I promised myself that I was going to get better. And then that red shirt. Same one, I wear it through everything I've done, from weightlifting to mixed martial arts, the fire academy to everything I've ever done, minus bouncing, because I had to wear the black clothes for bouncing. But anything I've ever done, that was my shirt. Because I promised myself I was going to get back to normal in that shirt. And then when things get tough, I look at that shirt. And I was like, that's how things that's when things were actually tough, was learn to walk again and get back to normal life. Compared to not being able to push this weight or not being able to push this many reps or anything in in life in general stress-wise.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
1: PTSD, which, yeah, military, you guys know, PTSD is a serious, serious ordeal. While when PTSD is starting to get the better of me, I sit back and I look at everything I have. I have pictures with the president. I have Purple Heart stuff and all this, the newspaper stuff, Channel 3 News, Indians. I look at everything I've done. Like nothing, nothing can even compare to the stress of coming back into everything the way that I've gone through.
0: So it's kind of like an easement for me. Oh, absolutely. It's all about, it's all about perspective, you know, being able to look at, at what you've been through and, and then understanding and and something we've talked about before, but is it no matter where you are in your life, somebody out there has had it worse. And I Mm -hmm. would say that if I was in a bad situation, I could probably now that I've met you say, Brian Carpenter was like totally screwed up and completely like non-functioning and then has made it to where you have. And uh, I want to talk to you about your book. You know, I mean, to me, that's that's impressive in and of itself. You went from a TBI um, brain kind of scrambled up and then the physical aspect of it's a big part of it and it's a big part of it for you. And then the other part of it, too, is the mental and the mental side of the game. And you sat down and you told me a little bit that your book was kind of a uh, an outlet, a way for you to kind of moderate your your stress and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but tell me tell me about your book because I think that's uh, I think it's really cool, and I hope I hope it can help you sell some copies.
1: Yes, well, writing the book, of course, like you said, my brain was scrambled. I tell everybody I was mentally retarded for four months. I didn't know who my family was. I didn't know who I was. So I came from zero brain activity to I'm fully functional now. I mean, I, I exercise as much as I can. I play games. Games are good brain activity exercise. And I play word puzzles and anything and everything I can find exercises your brain. I am constantly working on it. So therefore, my, my mentality is mean, still not to the top. And I'm still a little bit crazy and a little bit dumb. But uh, I'm, I've i made one heck of a recovery. Well, Reading a book, I can never get that attention to sit down and read a book. And people are like, dude, the stuff that you've done, you need to write a book. I'm like, you can't pay me to read a book, yet alone sit down and write a book. Right. And just one day I got bored. I was like, okay, maybe I can hire a ghostwriter. So I sat down and just started jotting things down and I got interested. So I just was like, okay, well, I went from chronological order beginning to end, which is just a good rough draft. And I started writing, and I got addicted to it. I was like, it, was, it was reliving everything in my life, all emotions, all feelings, all events, everything and everything that I could remember in my life. I relived writing on that piece of paper. So I was sitting there writing, and I got addicted, and I, the minimal I would sit down and write was four hours a day because it was so addicting and such good therapy to look back on the things that happened and the feelings and the emotions, especially when I got into my Iraq stories I got to relive all that adrenaline. I got to relive all the anger, the aggression, and the scared moment. I mean, everything possible. Waking up from my coma and seeing my parents after my walk with God I just had. And it's like reliving everything I did over again and the most therapeutic thing you could do. So I finally wrote wrote for a long time. I got with the book company, and they did their editing. They did their picture placing and all that stuff because I put a lot of pictures in the book, of course. And then everybody on Facebook that I have is like follows me all the time. So I've I had instant hundreds of sales because everybody's been following me since day one because they're inspired by my story and what I do. And then and, that, and then once I got my book out, it just blew up. And everybody I have, I ask for I always ask for some feedback on my book. And then when they say Just like you said, go through a rough time and you're going to think, Brian Carpenter went through this and couldn't make it. This ain't nothing. And everybody has told me that same thing too. Like, you just made me change my outlook on life. You made me change my outlook on the situation going on right now. You've inspired me. You've inspired me to help others. You've inspired me to fix things wrong with me. I mean, I've changed so many lives and that's what I want. I don't care about making money. I don't care about getting rich and famous. I just want my story to be heard around the world, and maybe I can help change the world. I can not even sound like a little... Fairy uh, yeah,
0: I, I completely understand, you know, and Randy and I, we, we share that mentality as far as the AlphaCast. I don't know how big of an impact that we can have, and that's something that we discuss over and over again. I don't know how many lives we can touch or if we can touch anybody's lives, but our main goal is to bring people like you that, that have some type of story, and we want to share that. Because uh, I I want your story out there. I think it, I think it's an extremely cool example of what dogged determination can get you. And you know, you use the word "addicted" a lot, and uh, I think that's I think it's interesting that you have that specific choice of word because you know a lot of people associate addiction with a negative thing. You know, they are they
1: you, are you relating to my book? What's that? Yeah, they- are you relating to my book with how I say addicted? Or are you talking about me? I'm talking about you me? and
0: this conversation.
1: Oh, really? Because yeah, I think in my book, I was like, wait, I think I did say about everything I've done I got addicted to. Okay. Okay. So, okay. You're, you're you're making more hits in my mind.
0: Uh, yeah. My oh, I, I haven't I haven't read the book yet, but I promise I'm going to order it um, real soon. And I'm going to pay, I think it was $2 extra for an autographed copy.
1: Yes, yeah, like 19 for shipping and autograph and then it's uh, i I got i fired the book company i was working with they kind of uh messed around a little bit too much so i fired them now i'm taking everything under my hand i made my own website and you got links there you can order on my website and i do all the shipments and make sure everything's fine because they they're you know it's just too much trouble with them
0: yeah well what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna i'm gonna order the book and i'm gonna i don't know if there's a place whenever i make the order where i can say who it is, um, but you, sh- you should know it's me. Remember my name after this conversation because yeah, I, I'm i going to want a special, I know that you're a Marine, try and resist the urge to draw a dick inside the book.
1: <laughs> oh, so don't draw a picture of myself.
2: All right, I got you. <laughs> Just do what
0: you can. I'm not, I'm not asking for the moon.
2: I'll ask for an autograph copy too, but I do want a dick on mine.
1: <laughs> All right, I'll draw a picture of myself for you. Hey,
2: Rick, <laughs>
0: Randy had never heard of Wagner loves cock. Have you heard that before?
1: Wagner loves cock. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm. I mean, we always would pick uh, a boot, or we always pick a shit bag out of the platoon, and just say so and so loves cock, or so and so fucking shit bag, or freaking shit bag, and
0: yeah. all
1: this stuff, and yeah, we yeah, so that's kind of the only way I know it of.
0: I'm, I'm, I'm not a Marine. I've heard Wagner loves cock for years, well, and I yeah. just thought that was like a common Marine thing, and then nobody else has heard of it.
2: I had never heard of it until you told me about it. I looked it up on like Terminal Lance, you know, but uh, you, can't, can't, you can't walk into a portage and not see a, at least 89 dicks in different uh, <laughs> positions, um, sizes, shapes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Believe it or not, in the Air Force, we draw vaginas on the wall.
2: Oh, come on. Yeah, we do. We do because no, we actually, still, we like women we still there. draw dicks. <laughs>
0: What's
1: that? So we still draw dicks on the walls. Yeah. It's just oh. funny. Who can draw the
2: biggest penis?
0: Yeah. Guar- <laughs> Guaranteed in Randy's own house, he's got dicks drawn on the wall. It's
2: It's painted on the wall in the kitchen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We always get off on these weird tangents. We were talking about something important, and then we get up on this.
1: Yeah, talking talk about drawing dicks from yeah. from an important book, Drawing Dicks.
0: Awesome. <laughs> we were talking about addiction, and then that's, I guess, that in my mind where it went to is uh, yeah. you, you, Marines' fixation on cock. Yeah. But uh, uh, you mentioned it here in this conversation. You mentioned it also yeah. in your book, that addiction specifically, you, you became addicted to, uh, first it was mixed martial arts, and then you became addicted to uh, bouncing and then... And then you became an instructor and you use the word addiction to everything. And you got addicted to writing in your book. And so I think that that's an interesting thing. And that was what I mentioned earlier on is that is that dogged persistence. You have the ability to set your mind to something, whatever that thing is. And regardless of what the obstacles are in front of you, you push on. I would imagine that at some point uh, when you're writing your book, did you reach a I like, I like to call it a wall, you know, uh, where, where you reach a point. And you're like, why am I even doing this? what am I going to get out of this? Or, or what's, you know what I'm saying? Did you reach a point where you thought maybe I don't need to finish it?
1: Well, no, that with the book, I mean, cause I'd never even realized this whole 10 years I've been doing all this. I never realized I was working out to make a book. I was just trying to fit in so everything I've been doing. I'm just trying to fit in. I'm just trying to act like I'm blended into society. And then once I got this book going, I've been on cloud nine and it's, it's like, I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to be known as the inspiration of the country or inspiration of the world, hopefully, if I can get the right person to distribute my book even more do all the sales for me like a publishing company. Because I'm a self-publisher, so therefore I'm doing everything under my own right now. But if I can get like a movie producer to possibly do something with it or I can get a publishing company like Chris Kyle did, he actually got to a publishing company and they do all the advertising, promoting, distributing, and everything like that. So, I guess what I need to get a hold of, and then I can get my word spread across the world. But yeah, ever since the book was published, I have not once had that second thought that it wasn't worth it or I wasn't going to get nowhere because I just knew with the, the impact that I made out of the people around me, that I can, if I can impact that many people around me, I could probably impact the world.
0: First off, anybody that has your kind of determination has unlimited potential. No matter what you set out to do, I think you're absolutely going to you're going to achieve great success in your life and I'm just thankful that we got the opportunity to meet you. Hopefully we can talk to you again in the future.
1: Yes, of course, definitely, definitely.
0: So where can we find your book first? Tell me that.
1: Okay, it's Com.
0: Okay, we we never we, ne- we never shared the title. It's it's uh, the never ending oh, battle after Iraq.
1: Iraq, yes, yes, yeah. And the website is www. com. And yeah, title never ending battle after Iraq. com. You'll see a four and after picture and a Humvee that's kind of mutilated on the cover. And author is Brian Carpenter. And then if you want to go check out some pictures before you buy the book, the com that's, I'm adding stuff as time goes, trying to get it more organized and more put together. But there's a lot of stuff on the website, and there's links you can buy the book. So, yeah, if you want to check it out, people can check out pictures of my little progress and whatnot. They can go to the website and see pictures of everything.
0: Great. And you're, you're also you're active on Facebook, and uh, you have a, a Facebook page. That's uh, Is it um, just Brian Carpenter?
1: Yes, B-R-Y-A-N Carpenter. And then it's me in a black shirt with the Purple Heart behind me down in Savannah, Georgia. I had to get a heart uh, picture by this Purple Heart ceremony the thing where this little nice little thing they had set up for Purple Hearts down in Savannah, Georgia. So I took a picture, and that's my profile picture. Okay. And, and well, yeah. I'll tell you
0: what. We'll, we'll get all this stuff, and we're going to write a little blurb about you. And, okay. And uh, we're going to share some of your pictures if that's okay. Yeah, and- definitely. And what we're going to do is we'll post it out on all of our on our sources, and then we'll get your um, specific contact information, uh, including an email address, if you weren't willing to share that with people. Maybe they want to reach out to you. Yeah. And uh, I don't
2: have anything else, Randy. Uh, Brian, I just want to say, like, I I usually talk a lot during the show, but I didn't want to step on on you guys talking or anything. But um, also, I didn't talk much because I'm just I'm completely in awe. Of, of your story. And this is the, we haven't done many of these, but this is the best thing I've heard so far, truly inspiring on so many different levels. Um, I, I like to get to the gym a lot myself and sometimes I'll skip days, but now, you know, there's absolutely no reason that I ever have to skip a day in the gym again. Thank you for that. Okay.
1: Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. But there is a few things you can skip the gym but I'm going to keep it PG and I say it and <laughs> it's that long of a night. Go for it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, say, yeah I, I, I came in. It's an, it's an, like I said before, it's an addiction. The gym is an addiction to me and I cannot have a full out day unless I go get my day started with the gym, a hard workout in the gym. Then I do my day after that. And it, I just can't do it without working out every day.
2: That is uh it's, like I say, truly inspiring on so many different levels. That was one of the best stories I've ever heard and I don't see why it's not a movie already. So we're gonna try to get your name out there as much yeah. as we can.
1: Yeah, I wanna I wanna to get it to the right person. Steven Spielberg's my main guy because he's from Ohio. He loves Ohio stories and he's the most successful man from Ohio. So if I can get in his hands and he can make the change of the world right there.
0: Who who knows, man? So something that we found, and in, in this with this show, is that uh, I've I've been kind of surprised by the people that respond and then say that they'll talk to us. And there's a couple of people that that we haven't interviewed yet that are coming up, mm-hmm. and and uh, it, it to me, it's always surprising every time that we just send an email and we get a response at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, keep keep pushing. You know, keep plugging it out there, and right. and uh, who knows? I mean the 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 future. You know, like. Uh, we're going to talk about Randy and I are going to do another episode about this in the in the future, but we were talking about how life really is a story life's life's kind of like a book it's, it's a piece mm-hmm. of literature yes. and you have the the introduction, which is your life as normal right you you're growing up you're you're becoming a young adult and then there's what's the second act, which is any piece of fiction has a second act and that's where the conflict comes from right in a movie the bad guy shows up and then screws up the whole world and yes. then the main character has to go through some type of growth or some type of progression. And then in the third act is the final part of the book or the movie is whenever you solve the problem and things are going gravy. And so I think I think for a lot of us out there, we're still kind of in that second act. You know, we're going through a little bit of the conflict, even if we're on the on the upswing. Um, So who knows, man? I mean, the future for you just like the future for Randy and I it has not been written yet. And we have no idea how far we're going to go, but guaranteed. Uh, I think that we can go as far as we drive.
1: Yeah. And that's when when I got my book published, a guy that's in the book company that I was working with, he's as I'm picking him up, he goes, Brian, he's like, everybody has a story, has a book in them. It's about getting on a piece of paper because your story is going to be inspirational in a different way than my way. I'm just like, dumb like to hit bombs and work out now so therefore my inspirational story is in a different angle but with with the radio when you're past you say you, you were in the military and that you have your own book now but you just got to get it on a piece of paper and explain it in the book ways and that's the hardest part he said but yeah that's exactly what right what you were saying with everyone's got a story in them and that's exactly silver. So, that was way accurate compared to how you just
0: said that all right buddy well we i, I don't want to tie you up anymore. But uh, we will be talking at you very soon. Yeah. All right, awesome. Definitely keep in touch. All right, will do. All right,
2: take care, Brian. Thanks a lot, all right, You
1: Brian. too. Uh, thanks a lot, Randy. Bye. Bye.
2: I've heard a lot of stories, but that was uh, just fucking amazing, the entire thing.
0: Oh, I really like him, man. I really do. And I, I knew as soon as I spoke on the phone with him, I didn't know what to expect. You know, I really didn't know what to expect whenever I called him on the phone. He doesn't have a very big following, and to me, that's unfortunate. There's a lot of dudes out there that have huge followings and have done nothing.
2: And they're douchebags.
0: And they're douchebags. Regardless of what he says, it's not easy to just sit down and write a book. You don't just bang it out, especially if you've gone through any kind of brain injury. I can't imagine the difficulty that it would take to sit down and four or five hours a day, write a book. And so his level of just dedication to live life the way that he wants to live it is awe-inspiring. Yes.
2: So we want to get more guests on, like Brian Carpenter. Um, part of that is getting more listeners so we can garner some more attention uh, for ourselves and for the vets that we're trying to help. Also, if you have a story or if you know anyone that has a story that you think deserves to be heard and needs to be heard, go ahead and send us a message on any of the platforms that we have. We have Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, we each have our own email addresses. You can find on the website. There are just several different ways you can reach us um, to give us feedback, to give us a story, give us a spot of somebody you might know that could uh, <clears throat> that might want to do the show with us. Any help like that would be greatly appreciated, and we'd we'd love to have them on. Absolutely, we're
0: super easy to find. It's alphacast.org or alphacast media on any social media platform so facebook twitter and instagram please be sure and check us out and then find us on soundcloud to hear past episodes of the show coming soon to itunes don't forget to swing by battleafterirac.com and check out the book from our buddy brian carpenter
2: yes also uh i a bit more of a personal note I'm gonna throw up a post on our Facebook page. Um, a family member of mine, her husband, was just killed the other night, <clears throat> and I've started a crowd crowdfunding page. And I just want to post a link to, the, to our Facebook page so I can get a little more support for her.
0: Yeah, every little bit helps. So uh, if anybody would uh, is hearing this, please check it out. And until next time, this is the Alpha Cast, reminding you to stay alpha. Thank <laughs>